Bible, go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter number 92. The book of Psalms, chapter number 92. Then we're going to take a secondary text out of Mark's gospel, chapter number 4. Psalms, chapter number 92. I'm going to read two verses from there, and then we're going to look at Mark's gospel, chapter number 4. Psalm 92, I'm reading out of the New King James Bible for you. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's fine. They're going to throw it up on the screens for you. Psalm 92, verse number 13, records words along these lines. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I'm going to read it again. Those who are planted, everybody say planted. planted. Those who are planted, one more time. Planted. In the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Thank you, Jesus. They shall be fresh. Now, the King James says they shall be fat. This is why I picked the new King James. Because it says they shall be fresh. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Now flip over to Mark's gospel, chapter number four. Mark's gospel, chapter number four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark's gospel, chapter number four. I'm going to start reading with verse number 30. Mark's gospel, chapter four, verse 30. To what shall we liken the kingdom of God or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground, when it is sown in the ground, when it is sown in the ground. Brandon, give me just a bit more monitor, brother, if you would. Thank you. When it is sown in the ground, it is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, when it is planted... It grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Verse 31 again, it's like a mustard seed, which when it is sown, when it gets planted, it is smaller than all the seeds. But when it gets planted, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Hallelujah. Let me tell you a real quick, a real quick story. This is a true story, unfortunately. Um, I was raised uh, Baptist. That's not the unfortunate part. That's not what I'm talking about. I was raised Baptist, and uh, there's probably a number of people in here that maybe are even currently Baptist or, or you were raised Baptist. I was raised a different kind of Baptist, though. Most Baptists, they believed that uh, once you got saved, you're always saved. No matter what, you can kill somebody. You're still going to heaven, all right? I was not raised that way. I was raised in what they called free will Baptists. That means if you got it, you could lose it. It didn't mean, well, it meant if you got it, you could lose it. It also meant if you got it, you probably did lose it several times that day, depending on what kind of day you were having. Just lost your salvation every time you had a bad day, every time you had an attitude, every time you said something you didn't need to say, every time you thought something you didn't need to think, you just lost your salvation. Got, you, had to get, you technically had to get saved a couple dozen times every day. I am the most safe person in this room because I have prayed the sinner's prayer 
1.269 million times over the course of my life. Because once you, once you get saved and you mess up, then you're not saved anymore. I was raised Baptist. And there was a lot of you know, funny stuff when you look back on it that you grow up with that you kind of have to get delivered from, all right? After I, after I left the Baptist church, I got, uh, I got introduced to an old school Pentecostal church. Not this new school, cute Pentecostal church. I'm talking about old school Pentecostal church. Could not wear makeup. Could not cut your hair. Could not, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Could not wear jewelry. You could barely take a bath. Men could not go to a football game. You could not wear perfume. Women could not wear dresses without sleeves. That was always crazy to me. If an armpit turns you on, you need deliverance, brother, in Jesus' name. All right, grew up with all kind, all sorts of issues and struggles. And I remember one of the things when you, when you look back on it, you're thankful for some of the stuff that God delivered us from. Some of the crazy stuff, like no makeup. We're thankful. We're band. We're thankful that God delivered us. No makeup. Right. We're thankful that God delivered us from no football. Jesus name. They're going to be football in heaven. Okay? There's some other things that we got delivered from that God never wanted us to get delivered from. Like holiness. Like This is how we preach at Hope Unlimited. I'm not sure what you're used to, but this is how we get down. Like holiness. Unfortunately, the church at some point got delivered from prayer. Unfortunately, at some point, the church got delivered from living right. Unfortunately, at some point, the church got delivered from going to church. <laughs> Y'all all right this morning? Y'all like, we ain't used to this. My grandma, the way I grew up, you never asked my grandparents, are we going to church on Sunday? They would look at you like you were speaking another language. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? Who had those grandparents? Wave at me. Are we going to church on Sunday? What's the matter with you? Are we going to church on Sunday? We went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, you ain't ready for this. Wednesday night, you ain't ready for this. Spaghetti Tuesday, foot washing Friday, special singing. I'm from Alabama, not singing. Special singing on Thursday, work day on Saturday, and any other random events they wanted to throw in the mix. We went to church, glory be to God. I remember I was nine years old. This is, this is the unfortunate part of the story. This is a true story. God is my witness. I was nine years old on a Sunday morning, and me and my cousins, we were already dressed for church, and we were playing outside, and he dared me to ride a bicycle that was too tall for me. I'm vertically challenged as it is. I don't like the word short. I prefer vertically challenged. And he dared me to get on this bicycle. So I get on this bicycle. I ride down a street. I don't know how to stop it. I hit a cement picnic table. I bust my head. I end up needing nine stitches. There's blood all over my face. There's blood all down my shirt. There's blood all down my pants. I run to the house. I jump on the porch. When I jump on the porch, my grandma's coming out. And her first statement to me was not, son, are you okay? Her first statement was not, are you, do you need a doctor? Her first statement was, boy, you better go change that shirt. We're going to be late for church. Because you grew up with a respect for God's house. Oh, I ain't get, I need some I need y'all to help me. You grew up with a respect for God's house. And I know we look back on the old days with a little bit of chagrin and a little bit, well, thank God we move forward. But there's some things, there's some old wells that this generation of churchgoers we need to tap into that God needs to revive in us. 
There's much to be gained by going back to some of the old school paths that we used to have. One of them is honor for God's house. I'm going to call this message this morning Roots and Wings. And you're going to figure out why in a minute. Because this is what I came to tell you. It is God's will. And I know this is not popular. It's especially not popular in Knoxville. I already found that out. It is God's will for every believer. If you name the name of Christ, it is God's will for you to get plugged in and connected and planted in the local church. I'm not telling you you got to get planted in this church. That's not what I'm saying. God tells you to be a part of this, glory be to God. God doesn't tell you to be a part of this, glory be to God. What I am telling you is it is God's will, non-negotiable. You have to be planted inside the local church. And this is what I want to trumpet from the rooftops. The Bible is not going to bend down to our culture. The Bible does not bow at the base of our hipster preferences. It is still God's will for us to be planted in the house of God. get that off my chest. It's still God's will. You know how I many people, when we got ready to launch this church, we had meetings with all sorts of people, all kinds of people from all walks of life. A lot of those people, they joined our launch team. They're still running with us today. There were some others that didn't feel like they were supposed to do that, which is wonderful. They need to go find what God's called them to do and, and be everything God's called them to be. But I cannot tell you the number of people that when I sit down with them to meet with them, they said, look, here's our problem. They don't even know me. I'm like, I already made you mad. You know, my name's Casey, by the way. They said, here's our problem. We hate the local church. So, well, this is getting off, well, this is starting off wonderfully because I'm here to plan a local church. And then they would list for me their litany of reasons that they didn't love the local church anymore. Number one on the list, I've been hurt. Welcome to the club. If you ain't been hurt by the church yet, you ain't been in it long enough. You know, I've been frustrated yet. Give it a minute. <laughs> Sit right there. You'll, you'll get frustrated. Believe me. If, you don't, if you're not frustrated about something, ask me. I'll give you something to be frustrated about. Give it up on the local church. Let me tell you something. The local church is still God's plan for redeeming the earth. The local church is still God's number one tool for getting the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Always bet on the local church. The church has outlasted kingdoms. It has outlasted empires. In a thousand years, if America is not here, and God only knows if she will be, the church will still be here. You always, always, always bet on the local church because it is God's plan. That's why the psalmist said, you want to flourish. You want to bear fruit. You want to be fresh, and you want to have a fruitful life. This is how you do it. You get planted in the house of God. You get rooted into a local house up under the leadership that God's called you to connect to. And again, I'm not preaching this because I want you to come here. You need to go wherever God tells you to go. All I'm telling you is it is imperative that you find somewhere that you connect to and you let God get you rooted and planted in a place. And then you will see fruitfulness come to your life unlike anything else you've ever seen. It's not negotiable. 
I grew up, I grew up with our pastor. My pastor, God bless his heart, my pastor had one sermon. He had one sermon. And it went something like this. You are going to hell. That was it. You're going to hell. He could preach hell so hot you could smell the smoke. You're going to hell. It didn't matter the occasion. You know what he preached on Easter? He didn't preach about the resurrection. You kidding me? He preached, you're going to hell. You know what he preached about on Christmas? Not the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He preached, you're going to hell. Did not matter the occasion. Independence Day, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day. You know what he preached on Mother's Day? You and your mama going to hell. Okay? And I grew up, I grew up in fear. I grew up with him saying things like this. I know the Super Bowl is on Sunday night. But if you stay home and watch that Super Bowl instead of coming to church, you better pray to God Jesus does not come back while that game's on. You're like, oh, my God. I, was, I always prayed to God that I would get sick on Super Bowl night so I could stay home and watch the game. But if Jesus came, he knew I was sick. The local church is still God's plan. You want to flourish. You only sprout wings to the degree that you get planted. You know, there's an interesting thing in church. I've been pastoring for a number of years now, way, be, way before Hope Unlimited Church showed up. The most interesting thing in church is the people that usually complain the most are the ones that are the least planted. Because once God connects you to a place and you get planted, there's something on the inside of you that says, I want to lay down my life for that mission. I want to lay down that, my life for that vision. The people that complain the most are usually the ones that give the least. Man, I, I might be too hard. I know this ain't the right message to preach on your second time out, but I ain't got anything else, all right? I could preach, you know, new year, new you. Right? Relation slips. See what I did there? I could preach something like that, and we'll get to that later. But right now, you got to get planted in the house of God. If you want to bear fruit, I talk to adults all the time, and they want to know, why ain't my kids serving God? Why am I always broke? Why am I always struggling? Why do I not have fruitful relationships? And I always ask them this, where are you planted? Where am I what? Well, no, no, no. They shop for churches the way they shop for cars. And they miss the truth that if you want fruitfulness, you got to get planted in the house of God. You want your kids? You want your kids to be fruitful and serve God? Let me tell you something, and I know this is counterculture, and I do not care. Your, your child's education is not the most important thing in their life. Your child's ability to play basketball or football, that is not the most important thing in their life. The most important thing in their life is that they have a walk with the Son of God named Jesus. That's the most important thing in their life. Because if they don't have that, they might can play softball real good, but their marriage will be broken. If they don't have that, they can have more degrees than a thermometer and they can still be strung out on drugs because I've talked to them. We've got our priorities all out of whack. The house of God's not a priority, right? We quit having church at night because people just won't come. But if they got a basketball game, If they got a doubleheader baseball tournament that goes till 11 o'clock and they got school the next day, we don't say anything because of our priorities. 
we were in Hamilton, and, and I know pro, some of y'all probably ain't going to come back. Y'all ready for this whole thing to be over? It's fine. But you will at least know this when you leave here, and people ask you about Hope Unlimited, what's that like? They don't pull punches. At least you know where we stand. We had a, uh, we were having a, when, back when we lived in Alabama, and uh, God delivered us from that state and moved us to this state. Tennessee's the most beautiful state in the world. I believe that. I'm not just saying that. And we're praying for revival in the football team. Amen. Amen. I want them to do good. I want them to do great, except the third Saturday in October. That's very much beside the point. Y'all for real ain't coming back now. And we had this, we're having this youth meeting one night. It was on a, it was on a Tuesday night. God was moving powerfully. I'm talking about moving powerfully. Moving in the midst. Kids had come down to the altar, tears streaming down their face. They were going after God. Kids were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. If you don't know what that is, just hang around here. We'll tell you about that later. They were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. They were speaking with other tongues. God was moving in them and changing them, transforming their life. And there was a young boy named Kyle. I will never forget it. Kyle was a superstar football player. He had come down to the altar and he was weeping. God was changing his life. And it was that night that Kyle felt the call to preach. He was he was standing on he was standing up on his knees. He was, he was on his knees, but his body was up, and he was praying and weeping, and God was touching him and transforming him. And I watched his mama from the back of the building. I watched his mom from the back of the building because it was 9.15 on a school night, and I watched her step over kids and get Kyle up out of the altar and let's get home because we got a school night. Now, she never said anything on football night, but because we were in church, that wasn't the priority. So she jerked him out of that altar and sent him on his way and pushed football, 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 school, school, school make it make it make it about four years later we met Kyle's mother in Walmart she came up to me she grabbed me she was weeping she said I need you to pray for Kyle I said what's going on she said he's an alcoholic now and he's not serving God and he's living with his girlfriend and he's dropped out of school and it was everything in my power to say not to say reckon why that happened Because that was a priority instead of the house of God being a priority. Amen? Those that get planted in the house flourish in the courts of our God. Those who get planted, they will bear fruit in their old age. They will stay fresh. They will stay vibrant. They will stay alive. They will stay full of passion. Why? Because they stay planted in the house of God. Now, now I, when, when I read the text, when I, when I read uh, uh, David talking about being planted, being planted, my mind runs to Jesus. Jesus always used agricultural terminology to prove his point. Brandon, are we about to kill Cedar Bluff entirely? Okay. Thank you. I run to Jesus and I see Jesus always was using agricultural terminology. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. He, there was a parable of a man that went and sowed seed among soil. There, he's using agricultural terminology all over the place. And then I stumble upon Mark's gospel, chapter number four, and Jesus says this. Such is the kingdom of heaven. It's like when a mustard seed gets planted. Before it gets planted... It is the least among seeds. 
But after it goes through the process of being planted, my black brother down here, I grew up preaching in a black church. Me and you know what's going on. Let's help the white folk. Me and you know what's going on. <laughs> Gets planted. After it goes through the process of getting planted, then it becomes the greatest among herbs. It was the least. It became the greatest all because it was willing to go through the process of getting planted. A lot of the reason people don't want to get planted is because when you get planted, you go through a season where you don't get seen. Because when you get put up under dirt, nobody sees you. Nobody hears you sing. Nobody watches you preach. Nobody says your, says your praises. Nobody tells you how wonderful you are. And it's all because you are in a process where God's going to take you from the least to the greatest. Watch. It is the least among seeds. But if it gets planted. And when you get planted, this is interesting. When you get planted, you get planted up under dirt. You don't get planted up under perfection. You get planted up under dirt. You get planted up under people that have flaws and issues and struggles. And God says, you've got to stay right there up under that house, up under that leadership. And I'm going to use that process to create in you everything I've called you to be. you got to get planted. If it gets planted, it becomes the greatest. Watch. The seed has the potential to be the greatest, but it will remain the least till it gets planted. I talk to people all the time. They always hand me their journal entries full of all these prophetic words that God's given them. You're going to go to the nations. You're going to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, bishop, elder, deacon. You're the whole body of Christ wrapped up in one. You're right next to the pope. You're the cardinal. What's a cardinal? You're the archbishop. And I say, all of that stuff is wonderful. But when God identifies you prophetically, he's identifying your potential, not your reality. And he's saying, if you want to close the gap between what is now and what could be, it's simple. You just get Those that get planted again, I tend to get planted in this church. I'm telling you, you find somewhere where God's told you to root in and you serve the house and you get behind the house and you give to the vision of the house and you lay down your life for the house and you give everything you got for the house and watch what God does in you. Watch what God does in your family. It's been the most amazing thing in the world to watch what moving to Knoxville, pulling our kids out of there and moving to Knoxville to plant this church has done to our children. It's been the hardest thing they've ever gone through. And it's made them better people. Right? Because we all shout about the fact that we can be the greatest. But it's not the promise that makes you who you are. It's the process that makes you who you are. And a lot of times we want the promise without the process. We want to bypass the process and shortcut our way to the promise. And when you try to shortcut the process, you end up elongating it. Because let me tell you, all, all of walking with God is nothing more than this right here. It's just a series of passing tests. 
God's, that person you don't like at work, that on the way to work that morning, you already pre-rehearsed what you're going to say to them just in case. Don't act holy on me. Y'all like, oh, dang. You stay right there. You look straight ahead like I ain't talking to you. I'll be on your pew in just a second. I'll be on your chair in just a second. Right? Already pre-rehearsing. And then I'm going to talk about the mama. And then I'm going to tell them this right here. And the devil is a lie. You know what that person is? A test. Because many times God will wrap up what you need in people you don't even like. <laughs> You're like, now it's making sense. That's why me and my mama-in-law have so many problems. It's a test. It's a test. Let me tell you this. The teacher never talks when he gives a test. He throws you out in the middle. And then watches how you respond. All right? And when you flesh out, guess what you get to do? Take it all over again. Pass the test for no other reason than you don't have to go through it again. You know how to know when you've passed the test? When God gives you a different test. We used to run a Bible school down in Hamilton, and, uh, Hamilton, Alabama. And uh, we had all these students that would come that in their previous churches, they were preachers and, you know, prophets and, you know, 17-year-old apostles. I don't even think you can do that. Right, I'm a bishop. Over what? You, ain't, you can't even oversee your bedroom. And they'd come in, they were worship leaders, and they were all this stuff, and we'd say, that's wonderful. Now, what we need you to do is we need you to go clean the bathrooms. And they're like, oh, oh you don't understand, bro. You don't understand what's on my life. And that's when I have to respond, I don't care what's on your life because I know what's on the toilet bowl, and we need it off. If you that anointed, you should be able to clean that in about five seconds. Get up under the Holy Ghost and get to cleaning. Jerk that toilet bowl brush out of our hand and get in there and just complain all the time. And I'd always tell them, you're going to be doing this for the next 20 years until you learn to do it without complaining. Because you're in the middle of a test. And every time you complain, God sees. And every time your heart ain't right, God sees. And every time, and you want to you be everything you've been called to be? It's simple. You just got to get planted. And this is what that looks like. It's what that looks like. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. This is one of the things also that I learned about meeting with people in Knoxville. People in Knoxville, they don't, or pe people around here, they don't really want to be pastored. No, 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 don't misunderstand me. They want somebody to call when they're in the hospital or when somebody's died. I get that. They want somebody to call when they're going through an issue and need some counseling. Okay? They want somebody to call. You got to have a safe space to do that. You got to have safe space to do that. I get that. When I was growing up, my, you know how many times I heard this growing up? What happens in this house stays in this house. Like that saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Although that's not true. What happens in Vegas shows up in counseling sessions. So they, they, they want a pastor to call. They want somebody, you know, to send flowers to the funeral or pick up the phone, they need help through an issue. But what people don't want 
is they don't want a leader that'll hold a standard and say, this is right, this is wrong, and it is what it is. Getting planted in a local house is non-negotiable. Tithing to that local house, oh man, it got real quiet, is still non-negotiable. Serving that place with everything God's put. If y'all want to know who's shouting, that's our launch team. Huh? They don't want people that will jerk them in line and hold them to account and say, this is right, this is wrong. That attitude, that's not right. That complaining, that's not right. That gossiping and that divisive spirit, that's not right. Oh, I know you want to be able to call when you need somebody to pray for you, but you also need me to call you when I need to say, hey, I saw how you handled that, and that's going to keep you from becoming everything God called you to be. That's what pastors do, shepherds. I've had sheep before. I don't mean figurative sheep. I mean real sheep. You know what you have to do? You have to lovingly pull them back in line. and say, this is the standard. This is right, this is wrong. Not because I think it's right or wrong. Because this is what the Bible says. And we're not going to bend on that. And I know the Bible is outmoded to a lot of people. And I know it's like not a big deal anymore. And I know we're supposed to be like having conversations with people and not throwing the Bible at them or anything like that. But it is still the word of God. It is still truth. Facts do not care about our feelings. I hate to break, I hate to break it to us. But my truth and your truth are irrelevant compared to his truth. Let God, Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth is going to pass away before one jot or one till of his book passes away. So we want, I, I, I just see, I just see, I'm afraid I see a consumer, democratic consumer mentality overtaking the church. Right? I grew up, this is, this is insane to me, I grew up voting on pastors. Seven years old, voting. I didn't know if I liked them or not. I was in kids' church. Because our democratic mindset has forgotten, that has caused us to forget we're part of a kingdom. We're part of a kingdom. So I remember being seven years old, they'd walk our pastor out, He'd walk out to the front of the church and hand out little slips of paper to everybody. You could be a first-time visitor. You could, be, you could be in the pew drunk for all we care. We didn't know you could vote if you showed up on a right Sunday. Hand out these little sheets of paper and you'd write on it yes or no. Yes, we want to keep him. No, we don't. So everybody vote. They'd pass the offering buckets, put the yes and no votes in there, bring it to the front. And then they'll walk the pastor, his poor wife, and his precious young children up to the front of the church. I wish to God I was making this up, but I am not. Thank God we got delivered from this. And he would have to turn around and face the church, him and his family. While the deacons stood behind him counting off the votes, yes. Make a tally, yes. Y'all seen this before? Yes. No. Everybody's like, oh, man, oh, dang, it's about to go down. Who was the no vote? No, oh no, oh no, oh no. Because we became so democratic. We thought we should get to vote 
on who God anoints. And we don't. This consumer mentality where we have to craft services just for, just for us. Forget about the lost, dying people going to hell. This is for us. You ever been to a church when you walked in, nobody talked to you? You ever been to church, sit down in somebody's seat, and then they walk up and ask you to move? I have. You want me to tell you why? Because that's not for you. That's for them. We've created this consumer mentality where it's give and give and give and give and give, and we have completely forgotten to tell people, listen, you've got to get planted, and you've got to give back just as you've been given. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Galatians, be, we quote this scripture all the time. We quote it out of context. It's not like we really care or anything. We quote this scripture out of context all the time. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Right? Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And we preach that all the time. You sow a tree. What goes around comes around. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Right? And we missed the very next verse or the verse before it says this, let him that's been taught in the word communicate back, give back to the one that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. Paul is saying if you have received from the house of God, now there is a responsibility on you to give back to the house of God. Let him that's been taught say, that's me. Say, that's me. Let him that's been taught. That's me. That's me, that's you. Let him that's been taught. Let him that's been taught. Let him that's been taught. Communicate back to him that teaches. I know people go to church for 20 years, never lift a finger to help anybody. Never give one thing. And still angry when a pastor won't do what they say. You hadn't, heard, you hadn't earned the influence yet. Because you're a taker. Not a giver. This is, I'm telling you, it's got to be like the worst second launch Sunday message ever. And I do not care because it's the truth. And what we're supposed to be doing these days when we, when we launch churches is we're supposed to be giving you good practical Bible teaching that will help your life begin to change. You know what would help your life begin to change and my life? Get planted in the house of God. And don't move till God tells you to. And when you get frustrated, stay planted. And when you get aggravated, stay planted. And when you don't get your way, stay planted. And when they didn't let you sing, stay planted. And when they didn't let you prophesy, stay planted. Because if you will stay planted, you will bear fruit in the courts of our God. Because that's the way it works. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I, 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 I'm, I, don't, I think it's just my personality. I think it's just the way I preach. Trust me, I took it easy this morning. All right? I want to see people. It, it, it burns in me day and night to see people become everything God's called them to be. When I look across this room, there is potential everywhere there are things that God's put down on the inside of you that could transform lives 
And I would say change the world, but we overuse that all the time. You're going to change the world. You can change somebody's world. You can change somebody's world, and it's down on the inside of you. And I see people spend their whole life never releasing what God's put in there because they didn't like the concept of getting planted. And I'm going to go where God tells me to go. I'm going to put down roots there, and nothing's going to move me. The gossip's not going to move me. The division's not going to move me. The attitudes of people's not going to move me. The preaching's not going to move me. If I don't like that, it's not going to move me. The only thing that's going to move me, God told me to come here, and I'm not leaving until God tells me to leave. Amen. And I'm not telling you God's telling you to come here. That's between you and God. I promise you this. He's telling you to connect somewhere. Amen. Yes, he is. He's telling you to get rooted in somewhere. He's telling you to get rooted in somewhere. And, and I've heard the excuses. I've talked to people. I've heard the excuses. Well, you know, we just have left the old church model, and we're just really about community. Really? Who holds you to account? Y'all hold each other to account? Is that how that works? Because that don't work. That don't work. You have to have somebody in your life calling you higher got to have somebody in your life saying, this is the way. Walk in it. you got to have somebody in your life that can see things that you can't see. I, I'm, I'm just a redneck country boy from Alabama is the way we say it. You can't smell your own stink. You ever walked in somebody's house that smell bad? And you think, how in God's name do they live in this? You know how? They don't smell it anymore. But you do. You need somebody in your life that can smell some stuff about you you can't smell anymore. All right? Amen? I said amen. There's order in the kingdom. There's an order to this. It's a kingdom. We can call it community. We can call it life-giving relationships. And I believe in all of that stuff. It's the word Jesus used. Kingdom kingdom of God and this is the order of the kingdom of God you find a house and you put down roots you find a church and you put down roots and when you put those roots in the ground God will give you wings to become everything you wanted to become amen you believe it this morning lift your hands to the father Lord we thank you today thank you for the truth of your word Thank you for the truth of your word. Let it come and cut. Let it come and challenge. Let it come and correct. Let it come and heal. Father, I pray, make us everything you want us to be. But don't let us skip out on the process. This morning, Lord, we submit. I want somebody to pray this with me. I don't need everybody. I just need somebody. Lord, this morning, we submit to your process. We give ourselves to your process. We get planted, we choose to get planted in the house of God. Wherever that is for you, you tell God, I choose to get planted in the house. I'm gonna put down roots, and when I put down roots, you'll give me wings.